Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls, for on horse girls. Hello, hello. Hello guys, welcome back and finally... We can now say that we have our foal. <laughs> I was really worried for a hot sack that we were going to have to be like... Another week of an, saying, yeah. yeah. But no, we have our foal. We have a beautiful little filly. She was born on the 8th of May at 11.30pm. She's a very healthy girl. I thought she was going to be a boy because apparently boys are later... Mm. boys cults a later but no she's a filly actually i've got a video where when we knew that she was a filly i was like no i was like what i was convinced it was a boy <laughs> it's really oh, funny no. but yeah she's really healthy she's really happy she's super chatty as well like she came out and she was neighing and i mean when we're recording this she's literally two days old yeah but she's already a real character and she just seems really really sweet and really lovely so feeling very lucky her birth was a little bit traumatic I mean, it wasn't traumatic, but it slightly was because there was a moment where I thought that the foal was not going to be alive. (laughs) I know. Well, like what we were saying in our last podcast in in that the bag needs to be kind of whole so the bag was open and her legs were out, but there was no nose. And I was like, she must be suffocating inside and the mare was like up and down up and down so we couldn't help her out and like we said in the last one you know you've got to let nature take its course and you kind of got to leave them to it but I was just watching over stable door and I was literally like the foal is not going to be alive and then when the foal came out and it moved its head I was like oh my god like I think I must have just gone like completely white and just felt sick but she's here she's healthy she's fine and now we can finally sleep again which I'm very excited about so Evie What's been lame and sound of your week? It's been a bit of a funny week for me. So Terry no longer has his poultices on, thank the Lord. So I'm not having to poultice his feet anymore. And he had shoes back on last week, but he's still just not quite right in front. Like he's trotting up sound on the straight line, but it's just when we turn him back that he just goes slightly short. So to err on the side of caution, I'm just like not riding him at the moment. I'm literally just putting him in the field for a few hours a day and bringing him in because I really don't want him to like gallop about and potentially, because what we're thinking is that he's maybe slightly bruised his foot as well. So that's a bit annoying because obviously I can't ride him and obviously I'm still like worrying about him, even though I think he's going to be all right. And then when you're not riding them, you just kind of you miss that like daily motivation don't you yeah and also I mean I'm really fortunate in that I have two other horses that I ride at the moment Stanley who's a six-year-old and Frodo who is he's just turned five isn't he so I've got those two so I'm really lucky that I'm still riding but obviously when they're younger it's not the same level of work that you do Terry was the only horse that I was riding you know where I was learning new things in terms of like teaching flying changes or working towards pirouettes you know doing the higher level stuff so I sort of missed that a little bit but like I say I'm still really fortunate that I'm still riding but for me it's more just like the worry like I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine but you still sort of just it sort of freaks you out doesn't it a little bit but we had the physio out today and she didn't say that he felt too bad and when we walked him up and turned him around he actually looked a lot better so I wonder whether I am erring on the side of caution a bit too much but I think better that than you know rushing it and potentially aggravating again so yeah that's all a bit sort of bittersweet I also got completely soaked through again today (laughs) you're gonna say that your knickers are wet again (laughs) I was riding Stanley and he was going really well and I'd only just started my session and it started just all of a sudden hammering it down with rain hail as well and obviously we had the 
Philly out and um, you and Diane weren't here today so it's just me and Samantha and it's like a three-person job yeah so we've recruited Charlie who's Joanna and Samantha's dad to help us but obviously I was on the horse and I thought oh no we need to bring the filly in like straight away it's literally hailing so I just jumped off and literally ran (laughs) with my stirrups like banging on his sides bless him like poor Stanley he was really good but I didn't have time to put a coat on because I was just like I need to bring the filly in so I was just in like a base layer and like my leggings and it's so surprising that how quickly you just get completely soaked through yeah and then I was sort of just stood there like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have, like, a change of clothes. Oh, yuck. We should say the foal's name. Oh, yeah. We finally decided on a name today. It was quite difficult to find a name because the dad is called For Real. And we wanted the name to begin with four. Now... It has to begin with four, doesn't it? Well, no, it... Beha- well, F-O, right? It, no, it has to begin with F. Oh, not even F-O? No, but, oh. the, but the next stallion that we want to use is also called F. So I wanted to choose this foal's name as F-O-R. Right. So there's not too much confusion with the next foal along. So it was really difficult to choose an F-O-R name because Samantha kept coming up with Formica. And I was like, no, we're not naming after like a kitchen counter. (laughs) We have eventually chosen Formosa, which apparently is what Taiwan used to be called, the country. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I just think of samosa or mimosas. I know, Samantha, my sister, she doesn't drink. And she was like, oh, but it sounds like that alcoholic drink, mimosa. And I was like, that's great. Mimosa's lovely, yeah, Samantha. They are. And she was like, oh, are they? Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, we've called her Formosa. And also my dad suggested Formosa because he used to work on a boatyard. And he said one of his favorite boats was called Formosa. And it's a, it's a sweet name, isn't it, Formosa? And then she's going to be called Formosa Erica because she was born on the 8th of May, which would have been my granddad's birthday. And when she was being born, there was a moth in the stable, okay? And, okay, before this, we've always seen butterflies at, like, really poignant moments, like my family. Cousins were getting married, there were butterflies around their heads, and we were like, oh, it's our grandparents, like, coming down to watch. And then when she's giving birth, there's just this massive moth. It was like white and hairy. (laughs) My grandpa, he was... (laughs) He had a white hairy moustache. A moth. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And um, it could literally, it could have probably been any insect, though, and you'd be like, it's my granddad. It could be like a ladybird. It wasn't like like that wasn't my granddad. Thank you. Then in the morning, I went down to check her at like six and the moth was just sitting there. And I was like, wow. Well, was the light still on? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually. Well, they, that's probably why. <laughs> Stop ruining my, my little no, magical I think it's, moment. I think it's nice that you've chosen like a sentimental name. I think yeah. it's nice when names have like meanings behind them. Yeah. Although she's her stable name isn't going to be Erica. Because well, that's what I was just about to ask. I have this real thing. Of- no. <laughs> I have this real thing of I don't like human names on horses. I can make um, exceptions. <laughs> Do you not like Terry? Terry's Such a okay. Beautiful name. Terry's okay. I mean, yeah, but it's terrible. The thing is, it's terrible. It's terrible <laughs> because the thing is, I don't know any Terrys myself, like human Terrys. Fifty-year-old men. That's why <laughs> <laughs> they're literally like that work in the, the con- construction. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, girl names on horses. Yeah. I saw someone put something up on Facebook earlier that was like, oh, my really sweet mare, Amy. And I was like, no, Amy? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think Formosa Erica's nice, Yeah, though. but so Formosa Erica, TVS, and then her stable name is going to be Mosi. Mosi. Mosasaurus. Okay. Not Mo. <laughs> not Mo. 
That just reminds you of like the Simpsons character. Oh God. (laughs) Luckily she didn't come out yellow. (laughs) Although her middle name is Broccoli. Oh, lovely. Because my cousin has a two-year-old daughter. When I asked her what she wanted the foal to be called, she immediately came up with Broccoli. (laughs) It's a very good name. It's now actually stuck. She literally just came up and she went, oh, Formosa Broccoli. Oh, God. (laughs) You should have called them for Broccoli. For Broccoli. I know. For for Broccoli. broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, moving on to dilemmas. So this first dilemma, we weren't sure if we wanted to do as it's kind of like a training tip. It's a bit rogue. It is a bit rogue for For, us. For us, yeah. But we decided that actually we are dressage riders um (laughs) you know we have gained some knowledge and some wisdom over the years and potentially we should start sharing that with you so we had this dilemma sent in from australia which is so far away thank you guys for listening (laughs) over there that has nothing to do with like whether they can listen it does because it it says australia in the dilemma no but i'm saying you being like oh thank you so much for listening you're so far away doesn't make any (laughs) sense they can't hear us no Okay, so how to train the flying changes and nailing the canter to walk, walk to canter simple change. I'm currently competing at elementary and hoping to move up to medium this year. So I'm in the awkward stage and haven't trained a horse past elementary before. Not sure if you guys have the same levels in the UK as we have in Australia. Firstly, interesting, but actually (laughs) we we do have the same levels. Okay, so training the flying changes. I don't think you can really train the flying changes and the simple changes at the same time. Well, I was literally just about to say that. I feel like that's dangerous territory there because whenever you then ask for a simple change, your horse is going to think, flying flying change. change. What I would do is you need to get a walk to canter first, then (laughs) potentially try and do a a few simple changes. I say that, just a few. Then you need to teach flying changes. Because if your horse is in too much balance and is too easy at doing a simple change, so a simple change for any non-horsey listeners, is when they're cantering and then they walk and then they pick up canter on the next lead. A flying change is when they're cantering and then during the canter stride they change onto the next lead. It looks like they're like skipping. They've they're done skipping a skip. for joy. You know, it's great. So I would say the way to teach flying changes is they the horse has to be slightly out of balance. So if they're in the field and you see them cantering and they change directions quickly, they will themselves do a flying change so that they can rebalance themselves. So you kind of have to take that principle into the training in that you want them slightly out of balance to be able to do the flying change. And then in saying that you want a really good quality canter though. Oh yeah. In yeah, that good like canter. don't bother doing the flying changes unless you've got a decent canter to start with. Because some people try and teach changes, don't they? And you look at the horse's canter and you think, it's just not ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. So you want a good rhythm going in within your canter and straightness as well. But you don't want too much balance, I would say. Yeah. Otherwise they won't change. Yeah. To start with. So the way that you kind of teach simple changes, well, that I do. Handbrake, sit back. (laughs) (laughs) Hope for the best. Okay. Um, Strap in. (laughs) In very simple terms, aim for a fence and stop. (laughs) Are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. Do you mean like 
in your head or no 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 oh. literally aim for a fence and stop okay so if you if you've got a dressage horse hopefully they don't jump as well <laughs> so if you've got a high fence in your arena this is when you're very first starting simple changes and i really had to do this quite a lot with simba because Simba's got such a huge canter that I just couldn't stop it. And if I tried, he'd just trot and it would just not be quite abrupt enough and canter to walk. So I'd be cantering along the track and then I'd do a circle and then aim at the fence and he would stop because he didn't want to jump the fence or go straight through it. So you're playing a little bit of chicken there. <laughs> you can have loads kinda, of people jumping out of the arena now. You're kind of like daring him, you know, are you going to do it or are you not? But your, your body is saying, okay, stop, come back, come back. And you're giving the aids for a simple change and then you're allowing the fence and the wall to do the work <laughs> for you. So that's the very beginning. <laughs> and then with flying changes, I would say you always want to have eyes on the ground when you're yeah. trying them. Yeah, because they feel weird to start with. And teaching flying changes as well, it's such a messy process. And I think you don't see that online because people don't like showing it. So I think from maybe someone that isn't as experienced. So like for me, when I was first starting out, I had no idea that it was so messy because you see these videos and they're perfect changes. So you just sort of think that that happens, but actually it's quite sloppy and it's often wrong quite a bit to start with. Oh yeah, and I'd also say you can sometimes get changes from them and then you completely lose them yeah and then you, you've lost them for like weeks and months and then suddenly they just appear again but like when you start like there's lots of different lines that you can do can't you but just say if one is like a half circle slight leg yield to the track ask for the change they might do a massive fly bark into it or completely fluff it up but as long as they change legs you've got to just be like yeah well done like at the beginning oh yeah i yeah. mean it looks insane <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> yeah it really does yeah, it, it, whatever. If they change legs, you've got to praise them. Yeah. But what you want to do is you want to keep, like, the canter back and collected. And so when you... With, like, the simple change, you want to be doing, like, a 10-metre circle away from the track and then walk out the track, mm. okay, when they're pointed at it. With flying changes, you want to kind of do a half circle, like a teardrop shape. Yeah. So you're going back to the track, but you're on the wrong leg. And then, again, use the fence. You mm. know, you know, work smarter, not harder in the point at the fence and then do what the, what they do in the field charge at it yeah. turn the other way they'll do a flying change you know <laughs> it hasn't you know it's worked for me so far yeah yeah i think changes is a funny one i think it's easier teaching horses changes when they're a blank canvas than it is having a horse that hasn't been taught changes very well and having to redo it so yeah. i would say that if you're not particularly knowledgeable like you said have someone on the ground or just make sure you do it with your trainer who can guide you every stride because i personally wouldn't want to mess it up because i think it's quite easy to mess it up and then actually not be able to go back and redo it yeah like for instance you don't want to be super praising your horse if it's getting them late behind every single time every, yeah Another thing that wildly stresses me and Evie out is an Instagram like influencer, question influencer. Very well known. Very well known. Absolutely <laughs> lovely person. Yeah. We really love following her. But her horse or is him. struggling. <laughs> or him. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. Anonymous. <laughs> In their videos, they are always doing the exact same line and asking for flying changes on the exact same line. Now, your horse will start anticipating that, which will make your job 10 times harder. Mm. So you really want to be throwing them in everywhere, practically. Yeah. You know, get the quality of canter right. 
still do kind of like the same principles of what you're doing like if for instance you're doing a leg yield into it or you're you know doing a half circle or a a small change a, a small turn or something but you just always want to make sure that you're not doing it in the exact same spot in the arena yeah, yeah. like you just need to keep mixing up. Whereas this influencer that we're talking about, her horse is just not getting the changes at all. And it's so stressful. <laughs> and it really is to watch because... he's <laughs> really stressed about it's it. It's such a mega horse. And I'm like, oh, if it doesn't get them, it's never going to. But yeah, they just kept riding the same line over and over again. And you have to know that if that's not working, you need to think of a different strategy because it's not the fault of the horse. It's just that that particular learning method doesn't suit your horse. Yeah, and I mean, there are loads of different exercises you can do. You know, you can do, like you said, figure of A, half teardrop. You can do a half circle, yeah. straight flying change, half circle the other way. You can do what... So Simba is literally at the stage where he's learning flying changes. And I've started to do a leg yield out, flying change, leg yield back, flying change. So all in like completely different spaces. Also, I would say it's it's a fun process and you kind of have to live the process. Like we said at the very beginning of this dilemma, you will... Have them then you'll lose them then you'll get them again and that's kind of where I am with Simba at the moment I like I know that he can do clean flying changes at the moment I've lost them don't know where the clean flying changes have gone had them last week this week no and that's fine it's just the learning process yeah and I think as well it's totally normal for your horse to be one-sided they're gonna have a change that they get really easily and on the other leg they will find hardest yeah and um also I'd say from doing the flying changes you'll then find that your simple changes become easier and your cancel will be so much better as well yeah but yeah make sure also i think what's important to add is that you know what a clean flying change looks like because a lot of people don't oh my god i saw an event the other day put up a video saying that their horse was learning clean flying changes and it was literally late behind loads of people but even dressage riders do that i see sometimes yeah they're like, oh, I'm so pleased with flying changes. They look so good. And every single one's late behind. Well, like that influence we were just talking about. Uh, yeah. Changes are getting so much better. Yeah, Everyone yeah. is late. Every single one's late behind. It does stress me out. So really make sure, I can't reiterate enough that if you're <laughs> not like very experienced, please seek professional help when teaching the changes or at least do your research to know what it should look like. Yeah. And your research should not just be this podcast. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> So dilemma two, Evie doesn't understand. So <laughs> so I'm going to explain it to Evie and to you guys. Excellent. So this got sent in as how do I deal with horsebox envy? Now, horsebox envy is when you turn up at a show in some beat up old lorry that literally looks terrible and you can see all of the other competitors sneering down their nose at you as they're rolling up and they're super fancy lorries that is fully equipped for everything that they might need and it just looks like they're having a really super easy time they're like laughing with like champagne outside they're oakley supreme they're like yeah exactly you know the champagne's come out of the drinks cabinet out of like the what's it called they've got like a hose (laughs) champagne coming out of it sorry heavy's doing a lot of hand gestures right now so yeah it's it's that it's that envy you know while you're sitting there in your trailer how to deal with that how to deal with that at shows something that (laughs) this is such a weird one Something that someone told me once, which I thought was great, was it doesn't matter what lorry or horse box you turn up in, it's what comes out the back that matters. Yeah, but no, I totally agree with that. So I would be like, yeah, you know, wait and see it till you see what comes out. But mine's like, 
Like, I love Terry to bits, and he's, like, amazing and super talented, but he still doesn't have, like... <laughs> you know, he's, like, 15, 3, 16 hands on a good day, little ginger man, <laughs> you know... Blaze on the bit, yeah. crazy eye, <laughs> sort of goggling at everyone. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, if yeah. you've got a massive, great, big... Like Sirocco. Black, shiny, muscly yeah. horse, then, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's like when I got to Addington and I had um, Louis... Louis. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so if you, what do you do if you don't have... Like, your horse is super talented, but it doesn't look like it's talented. And can I just say, those horses are the best. Yeah, they are the best. I would say, stay humble. You know? Because... Yeah, but you are humble because you're in the rubbish lorry. <laughs> I am. That's like, you couldn't have a more humbling experience. No. Our lorry's, like, held together with a wish and a prayer. I've got a lovely little lorry, but it's, it's three and a half ton. See, I would say I've got lorry envy for your lorry. Our lorry looks very smart, I think. It's so super smart. Yeah. And it just looks like it's got... This is why you don't understand it. <laughs> oh, please. I sleep in the horse bit of the lorry at stay away. <laughs> yeah, but it's very fancy. If you tried sleeping in the horse bit of our small lorry, it's oh, literally got a hole that. in it. I've done it in your big lorry. It's got lots of holes in the yeah. floor. Yeah, the we've, got a nice, we've got a nice little lorry. But no, when back in their day, when we had a big lorry, they were always like the really old clapped out manky lorries. But I just sort of just, I just yeah. manifest it. I'm like, well, yeah, one day that'll be me. Yeah. I'm like, you wait. Yeah. I'm like, stood outside a hunk of like rustic, <laughs> like metal. And I'm like, you metal wait. Metal and wood. Yeah. I'm like, you wait. <laughs> I think as long as your horse travels well in your lorry, you get there safely, you enjoy driving it, and you enjoy competing your horse. Yeah. Like, who cares? That's not what it's about. It's not like who's got the biggest lorry. <laughs> Or like who's swinging it round yeah, the car park, yeah. <laughs> swinging their big lorry round. <laughs> That's not what it's about. What am, what it's about is you having a good time, and also you doing the best that you can do with your horse. For instance, I would much rather turn up in a clapped out lorry and win the class than turn up in a fancy lorry and come last. That was motivational. <laughs> Although I would say that if you feel like, you know, and if you've got the funds to, and if you feel like a better lorry would help your like <laughs> competition prep in your mind, you know, so if you weren't being like, you weren't having to have a fight with the ramp to like get it up every time you competed, then maybe upgrade. Yeah. I mean, they're so expensive though. They are really expensive. This has probably been sent in from someone that's not able to... Afford one. Yeah, like a really fancy one. Yeah. Like, you look around them on, on like, the big shows, don't you? And you're just yeah, like, I would, Ugh, one day. I would, every single day of the week, throw a lot more money at my horse than I would my lorry. I mean, of course, you want to make sure your lorry is, like, safe for your horses to travel in and robust and all of the rest of it. But the exterior, as far as I'm concerned, is the least important thing. You literally said the other day that what colours you wanted for your lorry. That's because your owner's designing her own lorry. Yeah. And I said if I had my, if I was designing my own lorry, this is the colour I would pick. Yeah. What is wrong in saying that? <laughs> Just saying. I can manifest it, but like, would I rather spend more money on a horse or a lorry? I'd probably rather pick a better quality horse. Yeah. You know, for me, as long as the lorry's safe for them to travel in that's all that matters yeah and also if people sneer at you in the car park do better and just well they them. should do better they should do yeah. better <laughs> yeah. yeah there was one particular person who used to sneer at me a little bit in competition and who's that 
and um this person was rude to to my sister who samantha is literally the nicest person on the planet and <laughs> i turned around to samantha and i was like oh i only knew that person because their name's underneath mine on the result sheet because <laughs> <laughs> i'd won the class and they were like way down yeah. and i was like mike drop yeah <laughs> yeah so just don't sneer at other people yeah and like i said manifest it like that could be you one day that's what i'm gonna say about that yeah i'll just run them over in the car park with your beat up truck <laughs> or just <laughs> on the way out put your horse in it yeah put your horse in go <laughs> pretend home. just be completely delusional <laughs> and pretend that it's yours yeah yeah bring out your champagne yeah you know stand outside it whilst holding your horse as you're about to get on <laughs> yeah. and then it's, it's almost like it's yours yeah that's fine <laughs> Alrighty then, general chit chat, Evie. So we watched Badminton, didn't we? Badminton Horse Trials. Yep. And mixed reviews about it. Yeah, Evie's a bit conflicted. Mm. Firstly, though, I want to say that Austin O'Connor's round with Colorado Blue was absolutely amazing. That's the best, like, cross country riding I've seen ever. Ever. Yeah. And that day as well, like, he completely smashed it. It just looked completely effortless, didn't it? So my young horse was at Austin's a couple months ago and I went up to ride him and I went out for a hack with Austin and I was just chatting to Austin and I went, oh, so, you know, you, you, you know, thinking about Paris next year, you know, Paris Olympics, because he went to Tokyo Olympics and I, I, I just thought I'd ask that. And he looked at me funny and he went, let's see if I survive badminton <laughs> first, shall we? And he I smashed like, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was actually like, no, you've smashed it now. Yeah. Yeah. First Irish rider in what, 40 years or something to be podium spot? Yeah. Yeah. Literally amazing. I think he deserved to like come second, actually. Because I think Ross Cantor, like, she led the whole way. Yeah. I mean, she was incredible. And her round was just like just as good as Austin's as well. Yeah. Like, I'd pretty say effortless. She, she like peaked in all three. Yeah. You know, she deserved to things. win. Yeah. But I think Austin should have come second because his cross country round was just. French kiss. <laughs> yeah, literally. I think eventing should be about the cross country because, yeah. you know, they're jack of all trade, but they're master of cross country. Yeah. And he is like the master. the master of cross country riding, which is just amazing. But <laughs> on the flip side, Oliver Towner, <laughs> what are you doing? Now, for me, I, I've thought about this and I think Oliver Townend is an amazing sportsman, not a great horseman. Yeah, so just for anyone that didn't watch Badminton, we watched some of the cross country and we saw Oliver Townend's ride and admittedly, who was it on again? Was it Swallow Springs? Lovely horse. But as the round was going on, the horse was just getting increasingly tired, was literally knocking every single fence to the extent that the frangible pins dropped on one because it just basically clattered over the whole thing and if they didn't have frangible pins it probably would have been a serious accident and he just didn't pull the horse up and we were watching it weren't we and we were just like this is actually painful to watch yeah to me it looked more like he wasn't helping the horse rather than the horse getting exhausted because he was just trying to flog it over the fence wasn't he really yeah but like he was riding the horse so the horse was getting longer and flatter so you know for me obviously i'm not a cross-country rider i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> 
like for me, you know, when you're riding a horse and it starts getting a bit tired and it starts getting a bit low and a bit snoppy, you kind of, you want to half halt it, bring its weight back onto its hocks and make it sit up and kind of respect these fences. But Oliver was kind of riding them longer and flatter. And this particular fence that he clattered over, he made the horse take a really long stride. And for me, and he had super long reins and like there was, there was a couple of times when Austin would like come up to these fences and he would check the horse. Before yeah, you he... need to give a cheeky little half halt. Yeah, cheeky little half halt. And got the horse back on its hocks and then rode it forward to the jump, having seen his stride. And that's the bit that Oliver just didn't do. He just didn't seem to have that. Yeah, so to everyone listening, it ended up that actually the stewards pulled him up, didn't they? Yeah. But something as Which well... is fantastic of the stewards, might I add. That's really good to know that they were actually comfortable to be like... Stop. Yeah. Yeah. When they see things like that, because that shows that they are actually doing their job. Yeah. But one horse did unfortunately die after riding around badminton. And I have been looking on social media and going back to the Grand National conversation that we had, it's interesting how, you know, it's the same statistics this year. You know, I'm not saying historically, but this year, one horse died in the Grand National, one horse died at badminton, but there aren't death threats being spilled around on social media regarding the horse's death at badminton and that's where you know i think the like the protesters and everything that's where that all comes in because horses do have accidents and it is really tragic but that's why for me it's even more important that riders like oliver townhand who have such status and such a profile to make the right decisions for the oh, welfare yeah. of their horse. You know, there were lots of other riders, like Harry Mead, for instance. He had two rides at badminton, one of which he went round fine with. And the second one, he wrote a big post saying, I chatted with the owners because this was the horse's first badminton and he's not used to these conditions, we're not running him. And I thought people need to make more decisions like that because the horse's welfare should always come first and I feel like sometimes riders egos come first and their competitiveness yeah that's why like I said Oliver Townend is a sportsman he's not a horseman yeah you know he's clearly got the drive and the determination of like let's say a tennis player or something and he's willing to push himself to the absolute limit to get what he wants but you can't do that with horses you can't do that with horses and Um, then there was somebody else as well actually I can't remember the name of the chap but he jumped one more fence and then put his hand up and retired because yeah. he was clearly and I think Emily King did as well didn't yeah, she? Yeah Emily King was storming around the commentators were saying how amazing it was and then she she slightly had to push going into one fence and then she just put hand up and retired and the commentators were actually like oh my god that's really surprising because the horse looked like it was going great and Emily said I felt him just slightly tired and I had to push a little bit more than I had on the other fences and I went no I'm not doing it. Yeah. And that's so great for the sport as well. Yeah, I think it does make me think as well, maybe this might be a bit controversial, but maybe people like Oliver Tannen, they need to have more repercussions for their actions because I saw a post actually about it and interestingly someone commented being like he did the exact same thing in 2015. Yeah. And he did put a post up being like, you know, I just watched my round back, you know, I regret not pulling the horse up and stopping and I'll learn next time. And it's like, well, clearly you haven't. Yeah. So if anything maybe there needs to be some sort of reprimand for that because yeah. clearly just telling him to stop isn't really sinking in. But I think a lot of people are guilty of that, not just Oliver Townend. You know, there are a lot of them. I'm, I remember a couple of years ago, I don't remember who it was, but they were really chasing their horse around and it was clearly exhausted and the horse fell at the final fence. And it was like, you knew that was... Like, we could see it yeah, happening. It's, it's not necessarily that these people are bad people or nasty people. It's just their nature, that their competitiveness and their instinct to win and their ambition is getting 
getting the best of them in that moment because obviously especially for events like badminton the money the preparation the work all of the it the pressure from owners yeah from clients from sponsors you know that they probably get so tunnel vision in the cross country that they're like no i am getting around this especially because he had quite a good dressage on swallow spring so he was in for the money yeah and that's all going to play into that but it's still it's not good enough you know especially for a professional of that caliber and expertise and experience for me it's not good enough no i think this is like a whole bigger topic that we could talk about but yeah agreed you cannot ride with an ego no i don't think no you cannot be a you cannot be a good equestrian with an ego yeah you need to be a good horseman before you're a good competitive rider yeah and if you have that competitive edge and that drive and like to the extreme go and do a different sport yeah please or, for the sake of your horses oh, that's good but then rein it in pardon the pun you know still put your horse first yeah. and i think that's also trainers have a responsibility there too even trainers that are teaching children how to ride to install that sort of fundamental belief that the horse's welfare comes first always yeah you know rather than your performance yeah, and it should always snap, do that. Snap, snap. <laughs> Case <laughs> closed. Yeah. Sort your life out, Oliver <laughs> Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Disclaimer, we don't know what we're talking about, and P.S. we love you. <laughs> Alrighty then, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. Evie, what have you got coming up in your week? I'm getting two days off this week. Oh. <laughs> Very schmazzy. I've got loads of like... What days are you having off? Thursday, so tomorrow, and oh. Sunday, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah, because we've got so many clinics coming up that I'm getting an extra one because I probably won't be able to have one next week. <laughs> but <laughs> no. it's still an extra one <laughs> for this week, okay? Oh, that's nice. I know. Loads of people that just have like a nine to five job are going to be like... And they're like, what? what? Yeah. They don't have weekends off? <laughs> what about you? We're going out for dinner on Saturday, aren't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm seeing some friends on Sunday as well. Evie has loads more friends than me. Oh, I'm really God. jealous. It's not a competition. It is a competition, <laughs> and it's one that I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. As usual, if you like this, please leave us a review because we get a lot of messages through. This is like a little... Which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. To get messages. So we get a lot of messages through of people telling us that they love the podcast and we appreciate it so much. But please just give us a little review or something. Yeah, because it doesn't really do anything for the podcast, sending a private message, does it? No, it it gives us a boost and you make our day. But just please leave a review or just share the love yeah, or something people. because, you know, two girl band that we're trying to build. Also, we will be starting to get guests on. I know we've said that before, <laughs> but I promise soon we will. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if you have any like questions to oh, ask you just us. just can't leave it alone, can you? No. <laughs> if you have any questions to ask rather than dilemmas, then shoot. Shoot your shot. <laughs> Okay, guys. Right. Love you. Bye. Bye.